Welcome to the Doctors of Running Virtual Roundtable, where we, a group of doctors of physical therapy, discuss the art and the science to the stuff that we are putting on our feet. We have a little bit of a skeleton crew today. It's just myself and DJ um, here at the roundtable, and Casper is hanging out in the back doing our audio, and homie Casper, yep, poor Texans fan. I did want to, before we even jump into anything, DJ, do you want to say anything about football? Um... No, I think I'm good. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I will say, I guess, is um, it's interesting when you look at someone who's never had a single start in sub-freezing weather, and then they play against a team that practically lives in freezing weather, and you would think that they have a giant advantage in that sense, Mm -hmm. and they lose 13 to 10. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. (laughs) Glad you had at least one thing to say. Yeah, they got got. They got got. And <laughs> got who Garoppolo. knows who's going to be where next year. <laughs> Ugh. Anyway, we are on episode 72 of The Roundtable, uh, and we are recording on January 23rd. This is going to be our last episode of January. So with that comes a couple of things that get to happen. We started last month our DUR giving initiative, so that's what we'll be able to start with today. This month, DJ gets to choose. Uh, the organization that we are going to be giving to and kind of hopefully raise some awareness about. And then we're going to jump into kind of this early Hoka lineup eventually uh, and also talk a little bit about uppers because we like uppers around here. So we're going to be digging into some of our favorites from this year as well as talking about why we care about uppers in the first place. So uh, let's do the first thing here, David. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your organization and kind of what we're going to be giving to this month? Yeah, so the organization that we're going to be contributing to this month is a it's an organization called Life Rolls On Foundation, and essentially it was founded by Jesse Belauer, who was a former pro surfer who suffered a C six spinal cord injury at the start of his career, and so mm-hmm. the whole idea of the organization is to create an opportunity and access to adaptive sports for athletes, and so mm-hmm. and and of all ages, whether it's pediatric and kids. Or someone who's older and so the main events that they perform are surfing and skateboarding and so they'll bring mm-hmm. amateurs and pros out and volunteers to help with creating opportunities for people to experience a wave or a half pipe or things like that so it's a pretty cool organization i was fortunate enough to volunteer for it a few years back when i was in grad school so Got it. that's kind of where my tie to it is but yeah yeah that's really cool thanks for sharing that do they have a web- what's their website again yeah so it's liferolls it's a pretty okay. easy one to find, um, but it's a good stuff and they cover pretty much the whole U.S., not just the California coast. So they have a whole calendar of events and things if anyone's ever interested in helping out or going and volunteering. Um, it's a, it's a cool awesome. organization. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So just a reminder, what we're trying to do since we've, we actually just released on our website, our kind of end of year or second half of the year of 2021 financial report. <clears throat> what we're trying to do is be pretty transparent as we grow kind of what we're doing with uh, the growth that we've found. And so our social media manager, Bach, compiles all together all the data on our growth in terms of finances and otherwise and puts it into this report. So if you're interested in hearing and seeing more about what Doctors of Running brings in, what we're doing with it, you can check that out on doctorsofrunning.com. And a big part of that, of our growth that we're excited about is this giving initiative where we give the first 10% to something that is doing something good in the world, whether it's running related or not. So 
Our hope is that as we keep growing, that means that we can provide more support to different organizations doing good things. And hopefully you guys will choose to partner with us in it and just at least check them out and we can raise some awareness that way about all these different awesome things. So we're going to transition to our first mini segment and we're going to talk about uppers. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about why we care about uppers. We'll let DJ kind of dive into that. And then we will then go into some of our favorites from 2021 slash early 2022. So David, why, why do we talk about uppers? What do we talk about them? Why do we care? Yeah, so essentially an upper is what keeps your foot on the platform. So it's pretty important when you're out running, maneuvering, doing whatever you're doing. And so the reason why we talk about it so much is that it can create security, stability, and also just a better lockdown to the platform. And I know we've both have experience with different shoes where if it doesn't quite lock down very well, that can change the ride entirely. Whether it's heel slippage, translation through the midfoot, too much volume in the forefoot, Um, there's a lot of different things that can happen and they're small micro adjustments, but multiply that over 300 miles and you might, you might have some issues if the upper doesn't work for you. So they're really important. They're really good to have. And, uh, they come in a huge variety of materials and colors and they're fun. So, yep. That that's also true. I think another component that I I think we just recognize that uppers are talked about less than midsoles. Um, and less than the foams and the plates and all that. But I think we do see that the upper really does make a difference. And for us in those years where people are like, oh, it's just an upper update, sometimes that makes a big difference. And uh, we'll talk about a couple uh, examples where we've seen uppers make a big difference in the shoe in terms of some of the stability elements that David's talked about. I think the other component that we think about when it comes to uppers is, you know, room for the foot to sit on the platform too. Some are more or less compliant. We have a lot of uh, nerves and arteries that run through our feet and compression in the wrong areas can cause big problems. And so, you know, there's the space for security and stability. That's very true. And depending on how it's integrated with the platform itself, it can make a difference. Um, And then at the same time, it can just be as simple as if it's too tight, over a certain part of the foot, you're going to get numbness and tingling and it's not going to work. So we'll talk about some of those as well. So let's do this. Let's just do this kind of fun. David, if you had to pick one shoe for the last year, year and a half, that has the best upper, we haven't shared our answers with each other. Do you have the shoe with you by chance? Uh, I wasn't planning on giving it to just one. Oh, you weren't. Okay. Well, what do you got for us? What are some, what are some that, that stick out? If you had to pick one, could you? Uh, I don't know if I could. All right, don't do it. Just, just I, start talking. Yeah, I, um, I got three front runners right off the bat in as far as the okay. daily training category. I think I'm going to break it up into mesh and knit. So okay. I'm a big fan of the Wave Knit Upper for the Mizuno Wave Rider 25. This thing is so Homey cozy. Same. It yes. locks down. It's, it's just so comfortable throughout the dimensions. It's like a relatively normal width throughout the whole thing. And it just has a very balanced feel to it. And so it's by far one of my favorite uppers of the year. I wish we got it sooner because I would have raved about it, um, before. And it, it makes, I think in my opinion, and this is an example between different uppers. I like this shoe way more than the mesh wave rider 25. Not that I disliked it. It still made our lists, but Yep. This made me feel just much more connected, comfortable, cozy. So as far as yep. knit uppers go, I got to give it to that wave knit. 
That was on my list too, actually, uh, is this knit upper. So in the 24, I actually preferred the mesh upper, but I was the only one on our team who did. But in this case, I was 100% on board. I had some issues that I talked about in our review with the uh, mesh 25, where I would get some pressure uh, at the rotation point and the flex Mm -hmm. point at the first met um, or the big toe joint. And I feel like what this, the knit upper is just a little bit more robust, a little bit more locked in, like, you know, it's, it's, it's true to size, but it does dial in a little bit on the foot. And that integration, I think led to a way smoother transition off the toe because it wasn't, it wasn't as easy to flex through there. And Mm -hmm. the foot was more connected with the platform instead of kind of just floating over to the toe. So I, I loved this upper and, um, just the ride of the shoe for me, it just feels a lot more connected and like the shoes coming along for the ride. Yeah. I will say so. too, like it felt like it expanded a little bit, but not so much that it became sloppy where yeah. it was almost just more like swelling accommodation. Like it just kind of had a tiny yep. little bit of give to it, but it was still enough to feel dialed in and, and just a nice snug hold on the foot. So I thought it was done very well. And I'm probably the tongue snob on our team, Totally, but I am. Yep. <laughs> tongue, uh, tongue and lace snob, but this is a nice uh, gusseted tongue that has, I think, enough padding where some of them are just a little bit too thin, but this one is n- neither like too stuffed where it's, I don't know, just a lot of bulk on top of the foot and it has enough padding to protect and it's got flat laces, which I like too. So yeah, I'm definitely a snob, but big kudos to this upper for sure. The other thing I actually wanted to bring up when it, are you going to talk about a racing option or no? I will. Yeah, I can. A carbon plated. I'll save it for that then. What other ones, what do you got in the mesh category? So I'm tied between two. Oh, and I, I could not decide. One is very dialed in locks in the last works really well for my foot anatomical fit. A, a really well done upper. The other one's more of an air mesh and it's just so freaking cozy. And mm-hmm. so I have, um, the dialed in one is the Magnafly four from Topo. Heck yeah. So yep. be- wonderful All sock day, liner baby. on the inside. The ins- It's just so comfortable and like soft, but it's very dialed in. And you were talking about the laces. There is a lacing system, these little elastic guys right here. And so when you lock it down, it almost gives it like a little bit of a stretch over the tongue and really pulls it in. And you also just have a nice little wrap around the medial aspect and it just like holds that foot nice and I don't know, nice and secure. And it's, and it's cozy at the same time. I've never had a, you know, such a wide anatomical toe box that Mm -hmm. locks down so well on the midfoot. I feel like sometimes the wide and like really roomy toe box can lead to some like sliding to the foot forward or sideways, but this thing just locks down so well. It, it feels the, are you saying you get scoshing around in that one? Or? A little bit. I'm not trying to take any shots at the ultra paradigm. I think it's a good shoe. It's just the forefoot and the midfoot integration there. I did get a little bit of movement. And so you were saying a wide anatomical toe box, like Topo really dialed that thing in where I feel like ultra could have done a little bit of a better job with the paradigm. Yeah. I, this is my favorite fit I've ever had. Like there's literally no movement in my heel. It just it feels as much like a hug to your foot as I've ever felt. Um, and I, I just think that that really helped me connect to the platform, especially it's a zero millimeter drop shoe. And I do think that being connected to the platform really well prevented me from really slamming down into the heel and causing any problems there. Cause I could just get a lot of training miles in, in this shoe. And, um, 
But the upper is just amazing. I love wearing it around at work too. One of my favorite work shoes. The other major shout out, I got to go with that Newton Gravity Plus, man. Oh, yeah. Newton always brings Newton the fire uppers. with the uppers, man. Like, I don't think I've had a Newton upper I haven't liked, but this one was just so cozy. Like, the mesh, it's like it's an air mesh. It's very, very thin, but it's also soft on the inside as well. And it just feels like a luxurious piece of mesh that's over your foot. And it's all one piece, too. It's all like it's very continuous with each other. And it just flows in and it dials in with the platform really well. Same thing you were saying with the tongue earlier. It's like lightly padded. It's not like it's thick, but it's not thin either. It's just right in the middle, but still breathable. You can even kind of see some of those perforations and stuff in there. Yeah. And it just locks down really nicely. The lacing system as well. It just pulls that foot in. Um, counter doesn't bother me at all. It's nice and secure. So Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I those are the two mesh uppers of the year for me. Yeah. Mine was just the the magnafly that thing for the viewers like nathan has been talking about the magnafly for a while where he's yeah i love that upper so much <laughs> and i'm not ashamed of it um i i do think if we start to transition towards a racing towards racing flats and uppers um one of the things that stinks about being in wisconsin or anywhere that's cold is that there's a lot of uppers that just get put in my closet for the winter because they're just too thin. So a lot of these racing uppers, even like the Adios 6 uh, from Adidas, that's a super thin upper. And they're great in the, in the summer, spring, fall, it's all good. But I got to put them away when it gets really cold because my feet will, will freeze up. So unless you have like windproof socks, which I have not tested, but it's, it's just not worth it to fight that battle. Like when I'm going out and it's, you know, negative 20 wind chill or, you know, even... Even in single digits when it's not a bad windshield, that's just cold and there's no protection over the foot. I mean, so. you could just come to the West Coast. Yeah. <laughs> I've been I trying to convince Nate to come out here for a while. <laughs> <laughs> just sending pics of like, this is where I run every day on the cliffs by the ocean. It's always 70 degrees and sunny. It's beautiful. 75 probably. No, no, it's like 70. Sunny with... Oh, okay. There's obviously oh, there's going to be fluctuations, great. but... Yeah, Between people, people kind of freak out when it gets over 80, I'd probably <laughs> say. So it's like, as long as it's in the 70s. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just those earthquakes. There's not that. Away. I don't feel them. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> Every once in a rare while, you'll feel something. But I always think about when I think of California, it brings me back to high school. And YouTube was kind of like starting to come up as this thing. Mm-hmm. And there was that end of Z world youtube video do you remember that <laughs> you might we we probably missed generation a little bit um, i've heard of it i've heard of the video the, but... it might not be worth it's not even worth looking up but there's <laughs> this like there's just talk about how all of a sudden california like pops off and anyway not not important that's not why we're here let's talk uh one more or two more upper categories the racing one and then we should talk trail a little bit but what do yeah. you got for for racing yeah for racing I've got to give it to the Puma Deviate Nitro Elite. So mm. I think the way the last is done and the fit throughout, it's just done really well. And so mm-hmm. it locks down well, but the midfoot is still wide enough for most people. It's not really, I don't know. A lot of times when you look at a performance shoe, uh, a racing shoe specifically, they're going to really narrow that last or the midfoot and just tighten up and it makes it feel a little bit more aggressive. 
I think Puma mm-hmm. did a great job of just slightly widening it out, but still giving you that option of locking it down if you want to. And yeah. they do have that little strap that runs through the medial aspect of the shoe there, and it kind of connects and integrates with that lacing system and really kind of pulls it up. And so yeah. if you like that fit, it's there for you. If you don't want it, you don't need it. You don't have to do it. And it also has a relatively wide forefoot for a racing shoe, great for swelling accommodation. And the heel, it's just like, it's reinforced pretty well for not having a counter. Like there's a small yeah. little piece of reinforcement here, but I would not call that a counter, you know? Did and you have any irritation from that bar in the back? I'm going to call it a bar. No, I didn't either. None. I'd seen other people report that, but I, I did not have any issues with it. Yeah, and I've had multiple so, runs over 20 miles in these guys, so yeah, it was they've they been were, fine. They were quote unquote in contention for your marathon shoe, and we all knew it was going to be alpha fly the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I might have gotten a tiny little bit of irritation on the medial part of the forefoot after like that many That's miles. What 20 miles though, is like, going to do? Yeah, like I'm not convinced that that was the shoe's fault. Yeah. I think when we think about upper importance, when you combine uppers, when you're talking about carbon plated or stiff soled shoes, that's where a big factor comes in too. Because if you have this carbon plated shoe and you have this foam that's supposed to be working together and your heel is just popping out of it, you're losing a lot of the mechanical advantage that you're trying to get through this whole system that's under your foot. So lacing lacing down and having a having an upper that actually secures the foot is a big deal which is why i personally liked the endorphin pro 2 over the endorphin pro 1 because they did adjust that upper they moved the lacing system a little to the side they narrowed in the heel a little bit so you could get a better lockdown and i just felt like the shoe being connected to the foot and then take it a step further and the endorphin pro plus had a totally different upper story there too with just totally stripped down and narrowed even more throughout the whole thing um, to give that kind of track spike like upper it, it does make a difference in in these racing flats for sure but let's talk about trails what do you got there yeah so one of them i don't have on me um if i'm going lightweight nimble i gotta go with the hokas and all so it's nothing overly fancy or anything to necessarily rave about, but it's done well. And it's relatively wide to the forefoot, like just kind of normal width throughout. Locks down through the heel pretty well, and the lacing system's done nicely through the tongue there. It's a, it's, it's definitely more of a performance upper for the trails. This isn't something that you're going to expect a whole lot of um, just reinforcement. And it's not going to give you like... Um, you're not going to get a lot of bells and whistles on that upper, but it's nice. It's, it's streamlined and it's, and it locks down well. The other one is the Brooks Caldera. I don't have that on me, but I felt they did a pretty good job of integrating that upper with the platform, especially for how high stack that was. No plate, high stack, soft foam, full contact outsole and a sharp rocker. And they were able to lock that thing down pretty well. Um, and you could still get some ground feel because of how connected your foot was to it. It was a little bit narrow probably, but if you have a narrow foot, like it should work fine. Yep. Cool. I have one for the trails. Um, and it's the, it's an ultra shoe. Nice. Ultra lone peak five. I've been wearing, I do not have the six, but, um, when it comes to trail running and hiking, I'm not a huge fan of waterproof stuff. Like my experience, like I was out on a, 
backpacking trip in Tennessee in the Smokies. And I had a pair that I was wear testing of these hiking boots and they were waterproof, but then anytime water got in, it just wouldn't come out either. So I just was like, it rained like crazy the first day. There was like 50 mile an hour winds. Um, And then we, when we got up to the summit, it was 70 mile an hour winds with this in the rain was like literally sideways. It was the craziest experience. But um, so I, I don't really like waterproof. This is not a waterproof upper, but it's, it's kind of a synthetic material um, that they make comfortable through this kind of little bit of a lining of a cloth on the inside. And what I, I just think it's very quick drying and it almost feels like it allows a lot of breathability for when you do get wet or sweaty or whatever. It feels like it can just like get through there just fine, but it also at the same time doesn't allow things to just soak up and sit there. So the shoe itself dries out quick, which allows, you know, socks to dry out too over those long, like hiking miles or backpacking trips and stuff like that. So I really love it for that. The one thing I had an issue with here is like, it's, you can just see, do you see how wide that heel is? Very, almost like like a big circle. it's, It's really wide. That's my one problem. There's no heel counter either. So like it's, it's, pretty malleable there it but it, it does lock down well it's just a little bit wide so i would get a couple rocks that would like just boom, slide into the side of my foot my heel wasn't sliding but there's just literally enough space for little pebbles to fall in there that's my only gripe with it but it's just super comfortable and it would be i can see why this shoe is the number one used for through hikers on the appalachian trail appalachian 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 okay I'm from Wisconsin, so you can't blame me for pronouncing things wrong with A's. It's just part of my life. So there we go. That's kind of our run through of some of our top uppers, but we just wanted to give uppers a little bit of a platform because like we said, they don't get talked about, but they do make a difference in terms of shoes that had impacts on like, we talked about compressing nerves and things like that. This The change from the endorphin shift one to the endorphin shift two introduced some seams uh, along the lateral and medial side, which for some like Matt, they provided extra stability because the seam and the material below the seam were a little bit more of a dense and rigid material. And then it was a stretchier mesh on top. Whereas for people like uh, Ryan, our contributor, and even Andrea, they talked about how that led to too much compression of their foot and they actually got numbness in the version two. So, um, you know, the, the type of material, whether if it's accommodating or not can really make a difference for you. And that's why being able to try on shoes and we kind of, we had a post out last week about the run cat, which talks about as you go in and you're looking for a shoe. Um, we also have our new runner, um, kind of like how to find your first shoe, uh, resource on our website too. Those talk about the run cat and what categories of comfort you can think about to find the right shoe for you. That's one of them is finding that comfort through the upper. So you can check those out too for a little bit of help, but uppers matter. But do you have anything else on uppers? Yeah. And like just basically piggybacking off of what you're saying, but what works for one person might not work for the other. And so Mm -hmm. I remember specifically, and I'm looking at it right now, let me, I'm going to grab this thing. It's a little bit of an arm length away, so I might have to extend out. Here we go. I don't know why I have this in arm reaching distance, but (laughs) (laughs) curious to see what shoe this is. Oh, Skechers XCR, baby. We're bringing it back. I like this shoe. That shoe, it's funny you bring that out because 
they sent it to me and I put it on and I ran a quarter mile and my foot was numb. So I yeah, sent that, it back. That's what I thought yep. of. I remember you being like, I can't wear this. And you guys were like, this is great. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. I like hugs on the midfoot. The Like for being an XC shoe, it was just very just like locked in, dialed in. I ran USA's wow. in this and it was fine. Didn't tweak my ankle, didn't do nothing, you know, like. I forgot about yeah. that. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> it kind of reminds me a little bit of like the old Victory design. Like the Victory XC. Hopefully they weren't knocking that Dang. off. I forgot about that shoe. Cool. Well, the, one of the reasons we wanted to give uppers a little bit of a shout out today as well is because we are going to be going over the early uh, 2022 Hoka line today. Uh, so between the two of us, David and I have tested four different shoes from them. Uh, we've tested the Mach Supersonic, the Hoka Carbon X3, the Tecton X, and what's the fourth one? Tecton X. What did I say? Tecton? Tecton? Whatever. Tecton. Anyway, well, is there a fourth one? Yeah, the Kiwana. The Kiwana is the fourth. I am Kiwana. So we have those four shoes between us we've we've tested. We're going to give kind of broad strokes. This isn't going to be necessarily a deep dive, but we want to talk about what is Hoka doing this spring and where do they need to go? Because um, I think there were some areas that we appreciated and then at the same time, I think we had areas that we felt that there's a lot of room for growth uh, or frustration with kind of like maybe what they were doing with some of the shoes. So let's kind of start with the one that we might talk about the most, the Carbon X3, and talk about the upper because that's the big story. They With the Carbon X3, comes in around the same weight. You have this beautiful looking upper. Shout out to Gorgeous, Val. She's yeah. been on the... She's been on the podcast before, uh, but she designed this, and I, I do think it's amazing looking. Um, it's got this kind of like two tone color split down, you know, the inside here. It's really cool, but it's a full booty construction upper, and then you have the same kind of design of the midsole, same geometry, same stack, same plate positioning, same plate geometry and stiffness, all that stuff. And then the other new thing is that you have a new midsole compound, which is ProFly X, which they say is a super critical foam. And so we just want to talk a little bit about what the experience changes between the two and the three, and then talk about this upper. Because I think the upper is going to be one of those that David said, for some it's going to work and for some it isn't. And this is definitely one of those. So what do you got for us? Yeah, I I was conflicted with that shoe. Mm-hmm. It felt like a step in the right direction. I think the midsole did feel a little bit more alive, maybe a little bit more bouncy. I wouldn't quite go as far to say it's comparable with the other super critical foams out there. If if I'm comparing it to a lot of the other quote unquote super shoes, it definitely did feel a little flat, but it's also designed for ultra marathon racing. So I can live with that. Um, but it's nice. It's rhythmic. It's got a little bit more bounce than the X2. Um, where I had a problem was, was the upper and the, I think aesthetically it's, it's beautiful. It looks amazing, but, and the material itself is nice too. I have no problem with the material. I think it's just the integration with the platform underneath it. And it's pretty voluminous, especially through the forefoot and midfoot. And you really, really have to pull that thing down. Um, I wish I could show you on my foot, but I have to lace it down to where that knit material ends up crinkling on itself uh, over through the midfoot on the dorsal aspect of my foot. And if I do that, it it helps out the ride. But if I don't do that, I definitely get some heel slippage. You have that 
sharp plated rocker and you kind of dip off the front of it. But if your foot's not connected to that platform, your heel just kind of does this every step. And then it doesn't just result in linear running, but it also makes you feel a little wobbly going into turns and things like that too. You don't quite trust it. And so, um, I like the shoe. I just, I have to make some accommodations for it that I probably shouldn't have to make, you know, that I feel are pretty extreme where I'm like literally lacing this thing down about as tight as it possibly can go. But if you have a more voluminous foot, who knows, it might actually feel quite nice. So, right. Yeah. I have a, I have a friend who, uh, he's in our run club and he loves running the carbon X. That's like his go-to shoe. So when I got this, he's, and, and part of why he liked it is because he's got a narrower foot and the, just the profile of it in general has been a little bit more race ready lockdown. So he likes to use it for that. So he's like, when I got this, he's like, you're gonna have to tell me how it is. And I'm like, oh man, you might be disappointed because his foot's super small. Like yeah. his, the volume of the, you know, area of his foot is small. So, um, I told him you might want to stock up on the two, but I, I had a pretty similar experience when it comes to the the platform of the Carbon X two and three, I love the geometry for my my gait. I, like you said, it's super rhythmic, and I love the rubberized EVA. Though again, in winter, it's super limited for me because there is no grip on any level of snow uh, on this outsole. It's actually rather grippy on the pavement because that softer rubberized EVA almost digs. the the pavement like sinks into it and you kind of like latch on to the little bit of pavement that's there. But it's the quietest, the quietest shoe to run in. And it's super nice. And we have a guest um, appearance. Wow. This is just super strange. We got Matt jumping in wow. right in the middle. Hey oh, Matt. I made it. Awesome. I made it. We Matt's car must be fixed. Is your car fixed? Yes, it is. Oh, happy for you. After driving all happy over. Happy for you. Ow, this is amazing. So, well, uh, Matt, we'll catch you up. We've okay. talked about all of our favorite uppers. Mm-hmm. We're not going back to that. Sorry, okay. you missed your chance. Noosa Tri-13, <laughs> <You're>... done. <laughs> That's all that I have to say. That's actually, that yeah. was a That's good That's a good one. point. Um, and then we we just started talking about Hoka. We're talking about the things that with this new line kind of going broad, more broad strokes, and we're going to be talking about what worked what didn't and where do they need to go um so we're talking about the carbon x3 right now okay and so yeah for me the the landing is so soft i just love the feel of it like dj said the the foam like don't if you're looking forward to like a totally new foam feel for the carbon x you won't find it here it's it's a slight tick towards more bouncy especially when you're picking up. Like when I do strides in this, it actually feels like a, a, you actually can, I can use the word bounce or pop. Whereas I felt like in the Carbon X2, you couldn't say that. It just felt like it was able to turn over because it was a little bit lighter and the geometry was nice and the toe spring felt propulsive. This one, I feel like you can actually say there's a little bounce from that heel. Um, the forefoot feels pretty similar to me. I didn't really notice a big difference. But again, that upper just doesn't work for me either slightly more narrow foot and i either lock it down so much that like dj said it creases and then it is a problem or my heel slips the whole time and i chose to do the heel slipping portion of it uh but i so i still did you know i still did like 10 to 12 miles in it a couple times but it's yeah and it's a small adjustment right i mean that shoe has a lot of potential i think and Something yeah. they can do going forward, just dialing in that fit, especially with the volume through the forefoot and midfoot. Right. 
let's um let's shift to the other plated option that they came out with, and that's the Tecton X. Tecton. Sorry to say tech, the Tecton. The Tecton. Uh, the Tecton. Let's talk about the Tecton <laughs> X. Uh, so this is a, a new trail offering that they've got, and it kind of has a lot of semblance of the Zanel that they came out with last year, except it's a little bit higher stack because it's got this kind of dual density mid mid midsole where it has the Profly top sole and then an e- more e- traditional EVA on the bottom. And uh, yeah, wider base, carbon plated. What's, what's been carbon plated. y'all's experience? Double carbon plated, that's right. Um, talk about that plate, talk about the running experience you guys have had in it. What would you say? This, this is honestly my favorite of the shoes that we've tested from this round. Um, there is one thing that doesn't quite work for me, and that's something that actually will work very well for others. But this was the only one where I actually felt like, oh, there's actually a bouncy foam in here. And that's it was it's surprising to me because I was expecting this to be a little bit more firm. But there's actually a bounce. And there's, this shoe has actually worked very well on. I did like, I think, 10, 12 miles on road and had no trouble. Now, I wouldn't recommend that, but you can definitely get away with that. And I, the lugs on my left side, believe it or not are still there are they intact they are intact so kudos on that durability but the foam actually feels like again all the other stuff has felt a little firm this one actually felt like it had some bounce to it i don't know if that's the fact that the the plate wasn't is it's only on it's paralleling i'm not sure but and even if there's still some flexibility to this that might be a breaking in but i like the concept of the dual plate because it creates some inherent stability there that i can definitely feel and it's just, it's a solid ride. It feels like a shoe that you can use as a trainer, but also something that feels great when you pick the pace up. It is a little stiff though. The one thing that didn't work for me, um, I'm not sure if anybody else noticed this, but there is a slight valgus to the heel. So for for in normal terms, that means the heel back here is pitched in just slightly like this. I'm over-exaggerating this. Um, and I noticed that almost immediately, like my heel, the rest of the foot, I, I don't feel that at all. Um, so I generally need a little bit more of the opposite direction, but I was able to get away with plenty of miles in this. Um, so for those people that t- I think tend to go roll out a little bit too far or maybe at risk for ankle sprains going this way, this actually might be a really, really good option for them. But the... You know, everything else is doing really good. I, this is by far my favorite of all the the shoes that they sent us. Yeah, it's such a fun shoe. And I think the plates almost double a little bit as a rock plate as well. Yeah, Like definitely. with the Zanal when you're going through technical trails. Um, I love the Zanal, but you can feel those rocks a little bit. And uh, with these guys, I could just Not stomp so them. Yeah. Yeah, I had no problems. And the outsole still grippy. The, you know... It's such an interesting lug design, right? Like it's not aggressive. They rely on that Vibram super, uh, what is it? Uh, light base that they use. Mega grip. Mega grip, light grip. base. No, you were like, yeah. right, light, yeah. bi- light base. Yeah, I think it's still light mega base. grip though. I think it's, yeah. It's, but it's the Vibram, type they use. Mega grip, light base. Yeah. Yeah, the grip is really good. I was, I was really impressed, I think, as we're still exploring trail shoes, that the grip was phenomenal. Like it's been it's been wet here recently, and our the trails in Monrovia have been very wet um, and muddy. But I had no traction issues, and I was kind no of surprised. Problems. I was expecting yeah. this to be a little bit problematic, but I was fine. Yeah, That's I cool. actually really enjoyed it, and it's it's bouncy, it's alive, mm. it's responsive. Like if I was running a trail race tomorrow, that's what I'm grabbing. 
Yeah, so, I agree. And at the same time, like you said, it's versatile in the fact that you can run slow in it too. And yep. for me, I have a lot of proximity to trails here. And so most of the time I do run road to trail. So um, I'm probably like maybe a mile to, yeah, about a mile from probably three or four different trails, mm-hmm. different heads. And so um, I definitely get road to trail all the time. Yep. I'm in the same boat where, again, had no trouble going road to trail. Now, this is not a shoe I would use as primarily a road shoe, just because you're going to shred. You might eventually rip those lugs, but, you know, they are, they're handled me. So, yeah, definitely a sh- it's, it's, it's a solid shoe. I'm just wondering what was different because it's Nathan Crippy for us. It's the same technical foams as the other ones, right? Unless there's something no, you don't no, know. It's a new well, midsole. No. It's a new midsole. Yeah, okay, super- I missed that. Okay. It's a super critical I think, midsole. I think what's, what's, I ha, I just got this one, mm-hmm. so I haven't actually tested it. So I'm not going to say anything about it, but I, I'm excited to, to get miles. Do you guys know, uh, you know, you said there's two plates just to talk about them. Are they split? horizontally through the length of the shoe, yes, right? So there's one medial plate, one lateral plate. Yes, they parallel each other going here. And then, um, so it's I want to talk idea. about that. Kind yeah. of what advantage, yeah, why do you, why is that potentially good? Why, you know, why could that be beneficial? Also, DJ, compare it to the Zanal a little bit more, just because I feel like the Zanal didn't get, maybe it got enough, you know, recognition last year, but I just think that's such an approachable, trail shoe and can handle so many different types of runners, different types of running. And this is for those who just want a little more on it, but I don't know how similar they are. That's so I want to go into those two things. Let's talk about the plate first. Um, what do you guys see, you know, having a a longitudinal split through a plate all the way through what's the purpose of the plate then? And what benefits drawbacks may that have? Well, it provides a little bit inherent stability, right? So you, you're basically almost creating a guide rail down the medial and lateral aspect with a, almost like a guideline straight down the middle of the shoe that just inherently gives you a little bit less deformation on the platform from a medial lateral standpoint. Um, especially in trails, that can be important because the surfaces are not always level. Most of the time, they're not. Um, from a so mechanical this- standpoint, um, it also lets you kind of play the shoe the way you want it. It's it's a little bit more versatile in that fact where you're not following a one piece of carbon fiber or P-backs, whatever. Um, if it's the spoon design, you're kind of following the tuning of that. And if you got two different plates, it, all, it lets you interact with that platform a little bit more uniquely to your own mechanics. Yeah, so it's interesting you talk about that. There's a level where creating more degrees of freedom by having two plates actually creates some stability when it comes to trail. Cause because it allows the deformation between sides without kind of a linked nature of of you know tilting a shoe one way or the other. But I think that's really fascinating. I think Matt, you got anything on the plate design? Yeah, I think it makes sense from a trail shoe design. And David hit that really well that, you know, some of the solid plates are really going to pull you forward in a certain direction where this gives you a little bit more. I don't know if flexibility is the right term. I think David said it the right way with like a little bit more play with Because the big thing about trails is you're you're not usually going to have the same terrain. Your foot needs to be able to adapt to very quickly changing terrain, especially depending on, you know, where you plant your foot, that kind of stuff. And that's where stuff like ankle sprains or some of the injuries you'll see more common in trail runners versus more stress-related stuff in, in road runners. So having that 
you know, the dual, the paralleling plates and having a little bit more of a pull through the front. Yet again, there's just a, there is a little bit more flexibility through this. It's not like it's totally stiff. It's a, it's a rockered ride, but I feel like having that snappy ride, but still having the ability to adjust your foot where it needs to go, depending on the terrain is, is really a good idea. And it does some interesting things for stability. How much, I didn't really test that. It probably does pretty good for torsional rigidity. So it feels like a stable shoe. Um, that may also be why it feels it. That might be why it also feels good for daily training too, because it's, it's just got, you got to, once you dig into it, like steep climbs are really pushing the pace. Then you get that plate feeling. But before that, not as much, it's a little stiff, but. Man, how would you compare it to the Vective stuff? Or like, you know, the the North Face had the plate. You know, that's another plated trail option. How would you compare it to that shoe? Um, the 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 Vective definitely was stiffer throughout, like almost immediately. Okay. It took me forever to break that shoe in. And there's very little oh, flex to it yeah. to all, at all. Whereas, and, it, and that felt good when picking up the pace. It didn't feel as good when going slower paces. Whereas I think the dual plate felt, and to be fair though, the one thing I do like about North Face is they they truly had the plate come up and become a sidewall, and so stability yeah. wise they just do things differently. So I like that better in the Flight Vective. But from a ride perspective, I think there's a lot more bounce to the Tecton X. Hopefully I'm saying that right, and just a little bit more versatility in my mind. Whereas, so I would take this, I would take this shoe on like aggressive terrain where I didn't know it was coming at me. Whereas the flight vective I might take on something that I know it's going to be a more controlled terrain. I can keep a consistent pace going. I don't know if that made sense. And yeah, it does. DJ, um, now compared to Zanel. Let's go through that. Yeah. So it, (laughs) not trying to hype this shoe up too much, but it basically takes yeah. everything you like about the Zanal and makes it better. It like it makes it a little Zanal, bit. Zanal, not Zanal. Zanal, yeah, that's what I say. Oh, tecton, the tecton, race is the Zanal, Sierra Zanal, Zanal, right? The the famous yeah. trail race, Sierra Zanal. <sighs> I don't. know. I could be wrong. I'm just. That's what I'm it's named after. <laughs> Great. But um, anyways, I my Tecton X is in the other room, so, um, but. It basically adds a little bit more stack. That sensation of the rocks underneath here, that goes away with the new plate. That rigidity adds a little bit of responsiveness and you keep the bouncy ride, if not a more bouncy ride. So, I mean, if you're looking for super lightweight, nimble, you know, lots of ground feel, you probably are better with the Zenol. But you don't sacrifice all of it with the Tecton X either. You're still pretty connected to the ground, um, which is nice. So there's there there is are some similarities in terms of run feel, but you if you're trying to go if you're trying to run a fast shorter trail race that's not super technical like would you rather Zanal? Okay, you'd probably go Zanal. Yeah, you could you could make a case for either one just depending on the runner. Um, but yeah, if you're going under twenty five k, like twenty five k and down, and if it's super runnable, you might as well go Zanal. Um, but I think the range for ultra distances is much higher with the Tecton X. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally agree. Yeah. One of my buddies, I gave one of my buddies my Zanal to try it for his ultra. And he ended up not going with it just because he didn't feel like there was enough underneath for it. It was a 50K that he was doing. And he went with his 
tried and true shoes. So cool. All right, we have two more shoes to cover, and I'm actually really glad Matt is here for the next one because uh, it's the Mach Supersonic. This is kind of the next iteration of the Mach 4, which was a big hit for a lot of people. Obviously, shoes don't work for everyone, and some people didn't like the Mach 4, but this is kind of the next story of the Mach 4, except, huge caveat, this is like a one-off shoe. They are not continuing this Supersonic. They're gonna be coming out with Mach 5, which is the actual continuation of the series. This is kind of this one spinoff. And I have some thoughts about that that I don't know how much I'll share or not because I don't know, we'll see. Matt and I had pretty different experiences with this shoe as well in terms of our how we got on with it. And so Matt, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Kind of go over what what what's it made up of? What's the update? And then talk about your experience. Right. So the major the major update is again some of the the super critical foam that they're adding. Correct me if I'm wrong. And then the upper is a very large update here. So they've the fit has totally changed. Where there used to be a little bit more room, and this really has snugged down, so it has a much more performance fit. Um, I wouldn't wouldn't say it's almost narrow. I'd say more snug is probably a better term for it. But what was interesting to me is this shoe got a, a great deal firmer, whereas the Mach 4, super soft enough that I was like, I don't know if I can run in this, but it actually worked fairly well for me. Um, again, softer shoe, felt really nice. I remember doing a temple run in it for the first time in a while, and I was like, oh, I actually ran quicker than I was expecting. Whereas this one, the Supersonic is firmer, and while that does create a little bit more inherent stability for me, I found it like almost like not the most responsibly firm. As people like firm shoes and they did not like how soft the Mach 4 is, then they might like this. But I just had trouble picking up the pace in this for some reason. And so, yeah. So updated foam, updated upper, but yeah. Yeah, the foam update is not the same foam as you see in the Carbon X3. Yeah. It's ProFly Plus, yeah. not ProFly X. Got so it. ProFly right. Plus. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I did not enjoy that shoe a ton. Um, I didn't like it first. And this is, this is just all preference and I'll go into whatever more objective-ish type things. But I didn't like it for slower runs. I felt like it was too firm and too stiff. And the rocker just didn't work perfectly for me. So I couldn't like get in rhythm at slower paces. And it just felt really like hard and clunky. And um, yeah, Matt's pushing on. The rigidity in the forefoot is way higher in the supersonic than it was in the uh, in the Mach 4. Just like barely any flex there. And then uh, at faster, uh, the, the, the upper was way more locked down, which meant I just couldn't like feel comfortable in it for those easy runs either. And then picking up the pace again, I think it was just too firm. And it, the, I, I said this in the written part of the review, the updated foam made me think of quick foam from 361 and the firmness made me think of another 361 shoe, the fierce, like where it was just so hard that I felt like I couldn't actually do much with it. I know other people have had a lot of success really turning over. Um, I think the one big caveat for me is that it's winter in Wisconsin. And so due to the fact that there are EVA components in that midsole, like that could be a big part of my problem because they, they can firm up in that colder weather. But I just, I couldn't find a rhythm to get comfortable in. I felt like the upper was a little bit too thick and restrictive at the same time, not thick from a warmth perspective, just kind of like 
locked down, but it didn't match what the shoe performance was was doing. So, and I this is where I think I think that they created this shoe, realized it wasn't exactly what they wanted, but they produced too many. This is all conjecture. This might not be real. Produced too many, and they're like, well, instead of just scrapping them and throwing them, let's sell them, and then we'll launch our actual shoe that we like the update later. Um, again, don't, don't take that as true, but I'm just like, maybe they did that. I don't know. Um, you better watch so. out. Someone's going to be out there quoting you. I know I shouldn't have <laughs> I, said that. You I can always edit it out. I think I'm the per, <laughs> you know, there's, I don't, this shoe didn't work for Nathan or I, I think there's going to be a very specific person that's going to enjoy this shoe. Somebody that likes a little bit thicker upper, a narrower fit or more performance fit and somebody that likes a firmer ride and definitely a stiffer ride. So if you're that person, yeah. that's something you might like. Cause I was really like, when I first put this on, I was like, how is there not a plate in here? This is so stiff, which again, yeah, it's so you don't, stiff. you don't need a plate to create stiffness. There's other ways. I saw so when I, when I <laughs> bent it, shift. Yeah. When I bent this the first time, there was this loud crack and all of a sudden it started moving more. I'm <laughs> like, what did I break? <laughs> Shoes don't normally Maybe make that glue, noise. That, that probably was the glue from the insole or something. Maybe, yeah. Letting go. Yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's enough on the supersonic, I feel like. <laughs> Do you have anything? No. Me? All right, let's move on. I, no, I didn't get DJ, it. DJ, you didn't run in it, right? No. I mean, okay. maybe. No. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Final shoe that we're talking about is the Kiwana. Uh, this is a totally new offering. This isn't the continuation of anything. Um, not even kind of like, it's not really a big brother. Like you could say the Tecton is kind of the big brother to the, um, to the Zanal, Zanal, but you have the Kiwana. So you guys tested that one. I did not thoughts on thoughts on it. Give us a little breakdown of it and then let's go from there. Okay. You finally got this right. Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> I'll let David go first. <laughs> <laughs> bring the hype let's yeah, go let's go all right uh, <laughs> i agree no that posterior lateral bevel is really well done it looks pretty obnoxious just looking at it right off the bat but it actually is quite nice the transition's pretty smooth it's rounded really well this shoes it's firmer than most hokas you're probably going to run in and i say firm but this is still a pretty highly cushioned shoe very protective. You can run a lot of miles in it. It's just a firmer ride. The foam is firmer. Um, there is a relatively full contact outsole. I mean, there's that little gap in the midfoot, but I mean, you got quite a bit of outsole coverage for a Hoka. Um, and you can feel it on the shoe. It definitely adds a little bit of rigidity as well throughout the platform. One thing that I was really surprised with on that one was the responsiveness of it. Those deep for like uh, flex grooves in the forefoot like if you're just statically pushing it, you're like, this is kind of flat and not fun. And then like, once you kind of load it, it actually gives you a little bit of a bounce off that forefoot. I was actually able to turn it over a lot better than I thought I was going to be able to in these guys. I don't know if I'd still reach for it on a workout day. Like, I don't think I would, but, um, yeah, where does the Kiwana fit in the lineup? Like where, where is it supposed to be? And, and maybe we don't know where it's supposed to be, but where would you say it, where it is? Is it a Clifton competitor? Or is it a, Rincon it's its own shoe. It's its own shoe. Yeah. I mean, I would probably put it in the daily trainer category, um, but it's its own shoe. I th The purpose of this shoe, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure of. I think one of the things that it works really well is just because the inherent stability is kind of like a 
someone who's going maybe to the gym and then jog and running a couple miles in the treadmill, something that's versatile, that's got enough torsional rigidity to be able to handle it, doing side to side stuff, which a lot of running shoes don't. But from a running perspective, this was not very comfortable doing easy runs, but those slightly up-tempo efforts was where this shoe shined. It wasn't fast enough to do a workout, but it was fast enough for like, you're just picking up the pace just a little bit on that. So it's not really an easy run, but it's not a workout that like in between is where it worked. Yeah, that's where it worked best for me. But outside of that, I have no idea the true. Yeah, I think David's right. It's its own its own thing. Cool. So there we go. That's kind of the the layout of those those first four shoes coming from Hoka this year. There's more coming, but you know, what do you guys see as some common threads? Obviously, Hoka has made its stamp. We, I mean, we talked to Stuart Jenkins last week. He was part of kind of the kind of part of the Hoka genesis a little bit, where he someone showed him the concept and he jumped on board with it. And he has a lot. Of, he had a lot of things to say about it. I think we're going to revisit some of the concepts talked about when it comes to cushioning and how long shoes last. We're going to talk about that because I think there's more nuance to it than was brought out in that podcast episode. So just hold on tight for that. We'll hit that soon. But what do you guys see? What direction is Hoka going? Where are they falling short? Where do they need to go next? Because I think there's a mixed bag here with some good things, maybe a few more not bad, but just not as positive things as we normally see from Hoka. Um, where do you guys think they need to go? Yeah, I think it's pretty fair to say they've got a good hold on the trail market as well as the daily training market. Um, when Running Warehouse released their sales for the year, like I think Hoka had two in the daily training in the top five with the Clifton and the Bondi. And then on the trail, they had the Speed Goat. Uh, and uh, I, I, I think they make good trail shoes. Like, I feel like I get excited every time I get a pair of Hoka trail shoes, the ones that I get a little less excited for, um, if I'm being <laughs> honest is the performance shoes. Um, you're not allowed to be honest here. <laughs> I think <laughs> that is their next step. I'm, I'm sure of it. It has to be, you know, starting to play with the midsole material a little bit more. They're already doing it on some of those trail models and a little bit with the carbon X three. Um, but there's gotta be something down the line here, you know, um, whether it's a rocket X two or an entirely new shoe, you know, who knows, but, um, they have to be playing with some new materials. That's that has to be the next thing on the list for them. I think I, I totally agree with David and I'm going to say it more, uh, a little more overtly that, yeah, the, the midsole foams, I think is where things need to change. Um, they're getting left behind. I know that they're, they are working on things right now, but what's available on the market right now, they're getting left behind, especially when it comes to racing and performance models. That's where the Tecton X really pulled ahead. And I was like, wow, this is really nice. Um, but I think there still needs to be experimentation with more new age um, midsole foams, I think, and then different concepts with how they're doing that, you know, because other companies are now making shoes that have higher stack heights or comparable stack heights with some of these new foams. And so they're, they're no longer king when it comes, king or queen, whatever gender you want to assign to these companies, um, or no gender, whatever. Um, but they're kind of getting they're they're falling a little behind on cushioning and and foam stuff and I think that performance realm. I know they can do this. I mean, if you look at some of the track spikes that they came out with, they're you know they're they're great. They're on the right way. But they're still using a lot of those EVA based foams, which we just got to see something new. And it's not that you, you know, 
you always have we're to have EVA haters by the way we're not eva haters definitely I, not yeah. it's just that, it's just that, EVA. yeah it's but it, it has its place but when it comes to performance we're seeing some performance benefits from these new midsole foams yeah. um and I, i'm not trying to throw yeah. any shade but they they lost what three athletes in the last three months because of things related to this topic so that's not a it's good a direction sign. they They'll have to, you know, it's hard you know, when, it, when a company no is succeeding what. so well when it's succeeding so well in some areas and then it's just, it's like, do we even need to do that? Right. And that's where like the people who are in that space who are like looking at analytics, that's where they come into play. I, but I do think I, I agree with you guys. It'd be nice to see instead of like touting this whole new foam system that actually feels pretty much the same as their previous one. Like do so, if you're going to do something different, do something different. Right. If you're going to keep it the same, keep it the same. And that's okay. Cause like you said, like the speed goat is going to be a speed goat and it should be a speed goat. Cause it's yep. great. They can make a really good upper. The Zanal has a really nice upper. They can make a crappy upper. I'm actually glad they tried something with this upper. It just, yeah, that's, that's the only in my way opinion, you get better. Flopped. It just yeah. flopped. And yeah. I think that they'll be able, like you said, David, to correct this and get a better upper on this thing because the platform of the of the Carbon X works for a lot of people. It's smooth and the plate is relatively more flexible than some others. So you can get some versatility and use out of it. Yeah. I I, I, to- interesting. I totally agree. The challenge for them, and that's, this is what going outside the running industry, is that Believe it or not, most of the people purchasing these running shoes are not usually runners. They're usually people walking or using them for their daily life. That's where you see a lot of Hoka's. And I've been impressed. The two companies I've seen the most of recently is Hoka and On. And it's like, and these people are clearly not using them for running. But that's that's, that's where you're seeing a lot lot of of these people, right? For casual wear, walking, stuff like that. So if they're working for that area, right, that's where you're going to make a majority of your, your income, as a company. So how do you balance like that performance aspect, you know, where, to be honest with you, the, the racing shoes don't make that much money. Very small population buys them. Yeah. And I think it kind of leads to, it's it's a conversation for another time, but it depends on what lane you want to be in. Right. And to some degree with the athletes, it's another form of marketing. Look, this Mm -hmm. person's wearing our shoe. This is how the shoe is performing. Go buy this shoe. And if that's not really your market in the first place, like, and you're doing so well in these other categories, why not lean into those other categories? So I can see why they're making some of the moves they have made. But um, yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see things going forward. We have faith, though. We have faith that this, oh, yeah. this is coming along. So yeah, cool. Well, that is everything for tonight. We covered a lot. Uh, DJ and I got to talk about some of our favorite uppers from the year. And you heard Matt's hot take on the Trinusa 13. We got to talk about through the whole Hoka line here. But most importantly, we talked about our next UR giving initiative, which is the, correct me if I'm wrong, Life Goes On Foundation. Uh, Life Rolls On Foundation. Life Rolls On. Life Rolls On Foundation. It's pretty yes. close. Uh, LifeRollsOnFoundation.org. Um, so you can check out their stuff there and we'll be posting that with, we'll, we'll put that information in the show notes here. And when you see our January roundup, we'll have information on there. So you can check that out at DoctorsRunning.com. As always, we're super thankful for what you guys are uh, as a part of this. 
Uh, we wouldn't be able to do it if it wasn't for you guys. So your support through listening and leaving reviews for us is super helpful. Uh, if you want to join our team, you always can. There's support links uh, through Anchor that you can join our support team, which helps fund this podcast. Again, if you want to see where our funding goes to and what we're doing with it, you can check out our report, which we just posted on doctorsvernie.com. And as always, you can keep track of what we're doing on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and then our website. So we appreciate everybody and we will see you next time. All right, Pete Packers. 